Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm Brian Tripp, your host once again, and what an episode this week. I'm joined by the longtime play-by-play voice of the Penn State wrestling team, Jeff Byers. We talk about another unbelievable 2022 national championship for the Penn State wrestling team, going five for five in the national finals, five national champions again, and Penn State has won nine of the last 11 national championships. Jeff not only talks about the historical perspective and applies perspective to what the team has accomplished, but he sheds some insight into why the Penn State wrestling team under head coach Kale Sanderson is so successful. So without further ado, here's Jeff Byers on this week's episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Been waiting to do this one for a little while now. The great play-by-play voice of the Penn State wrestling team. Ironhead Jeff Byers. Yeah, pretty fun times to be around this program right now, no doubt about it. How many years for you now? This was wrapped up my 32nd year as the play-by-play announcer for Penn State Wrestling. Do you rank them? Are you even able to compare and contrast the years? Do they blend together? You know, they largely do blend together. There are certain moments that stand out and... Obviously, the 2011 NCAA championship is always going to be very special just because it was the first I got to broadcast. And the way it unfolded and the battle that was there between Penn State and Cornell and then obviously being able to clinch it uh, ahead of time uh, before Saturday night and having a local kid, Quentin Wright, be the face of that team, I, I think does make that one a little extra special. But each year it really is just really special to be around these kids and just to see the way this program operates what sense do you have that whether it's yourself Penn State wrestling fans wrestling fans in general is there an appreciation it is difficult to win for them to do it in this fashion to go five for five in the finals for the second time under Kale with the success I think the revised record is 45 and six in the semifinals under that's just ridiculous ridiculous is there an appreciation for how historic this run has been i i think there is i certainly hope there is because it is something that we may not see again in our lifetime anyway this type of individual excellence sustained individual excellence over uh, really the course of kale's tenure but when you look from 2016 on the numbers do become even more astounding here where you're expecting almost to have five NCAA finalists each season. The only season that hasn't occurred uh, where there was an NCAA tournament since 2016, Penn State just goes four for four. (laughs) I mean, and that is, I mean, it really is. It's insane when you sit down and think about how difficult that is and how many, there is some luck involved. How many things have to happen where, you know, your guys are healthy, they are performing well, uh, they're getting by. I, uh, you know, everybody has a, a tough matchup somewhere along the way. They're able to, to get uh, past that. And I think you made a, a great point, Brian, and that, I, that I really do hope people appreciate because I talked a little bit on the uh, ride back from Michigan with Aaron Brooks and Carter Storacci in particular. And 
we were talking about just how special it is to win a title one and then to be able to repeat and all that goes into that. And uh, again, I, I, I hope people understand and appreciate I, because I think the coaching across the board right now at the college level is as good as it's ever been. I, I think there are more top end, I mean, elite coaches who really understand the sport, understand the technique, understand how to relate to kids. I think there are better recruiters right now, again, across the board than there uh, have been in a long time. And when you have all of these coaches and each year you're getting really top-notch kids coming out of high school ready for the collegiate scene. It's not like it used to be back in the 80s where there was almost for everybody that year or two of transition to really figure out these guys are competing at such a high level from such a young age that they really are college ready. But to have all of these elite athletes out there, all of these top-level coaches, and they are all gunning for returning champions. I mean, you know you're going to make a mark if you can beat a returning champion or just a wrestler from Penn State. And when you combine, again, that talent level that's out there with the coaching expertise and you sit back and watch what the the four guys that repeated from last year did uh, in particular, uh, again, I, I hope there is an appreciation for just how remarkable that is. Let's dive deeper into just this year in 2022. And it was unique because they had such a long layoff between their last Big Ten duel and then Big Tens. And there's always an interesting dynamic between the field and the way the Big Ten tournament plays out yep. and then Nationals. But they lost in the Big Tens, took second place, still wrestled really well, yep. but took second place to Michigan. And then you come out in Nationals – and it's already locked up before the final session on Saturday night, beat Michigan by nearly 40 points. So yeah. were you surprised by how dominant they were once they got to Nationals? I, I was a little surprised with the margin between Penn State and Michigan. I was not surprised that Penn State won the, the title. Yep. I did think they were positioned very well to do that uh, and really did think just because of the way things had unfolded with Iowa and, and the injuries there – I really thought it was, you know, the only team that could threaten Penn State at the NCAAs was Michigan. But they were going to have to have just an absolutely spectacular tournament uh, and have Penn State stumble at at some key spots. Uh, As you said, it's just a different dynamic at Nationals where I think you have that opportunity if you're elite uh, to pick up bonus points significant bonus points in those first couple of rounds and again Penn State uh, I think really had six elite athletes I would throw uh, Greg Kirkfleet in with the five champions there as uh, elite wrestlers uh, this season and I think again those bonus points obviously help you separate and then you know obviously when you get five into the finals uh, very very difficult for anybody to to match that and and then to go five out of five in the finals. Roman Bravo Young wins at 133, Nick Lee at 141, Carter Storacci 174, Aaron Brooks 184, and Max Dean 197. I was surprised if you have four champions the year before to not win, it's remarkable, but then five, hands down. I mean, it's just a, a remarkable run. It's the second time they've done it now, two to go five for five. Yeah, and it really is. It's It's kind of unreal to think about and and especially when you look at some of the guys that the the Penn State kids were beating you know Dayton Fix was all everything and you know is 
in a position now where he could become uh, a real uh, signature uh, moment if he finishes as a runner-up again next year where there's never been a four-time NCAA runner-up. But he is an elite guy and uh, just, I mean, is fantastic. And again, to what we were talking about earlier, for Roman to be able to beat him, I guarantee you this entire year, and Dayton Fix, I'm sure, was taking each opponent seriously and scouting and all of that. But I guarantee you this entire year, his focus was on what do I need to do to beat Roman Bravo Young? And for Roman to wrestle the way he did, and I think if anything, he separated uh, even a little more from the previous season Mm -hmm. uh, with, again, an elite guy in Dayton Fix. Obviously, Aaron Brooks beat an elite wrestler uh, and avenged uh, his only loss of the season at the Big Ten tournament. I I just think, you know, Carter Starachi beating a a former champion who really, I think, regained his form. Makai Lewis is just an outstanding guy. uh, athlete, and I think that was, uh, you know, years from now, people are going to be talking about how special uh, each of those guys were and what they brought to the sport. So I, I just think as a, as a whole, uh, yeah, what Penn State accomplished over the, the last two seasons in the NCAA finals, and listen, you don't win anywhere ever do you win 10 straight NCAA finals bouts, uh, but that's what this program has done uh, going back to uh, to 2019. And that's just, again, it's breathtaking stuff right now. And I know this isn't a, a new fact for you, but in the NCAA finals since 2011, 32 and 13, that winning percentage, 7-11, which is remarkable. What? So this is a group that, and I think we've started to see it more now in the era of name, image, likeness, and social media, they're not out there a ton, but they've got some personality when they are out there. They're close. They're fun. What is it about the dynamic of the wrestling team and program under Kale Sanderson? They play it pretty tight to the vest, yeah. but I think we're starting to get a sneak peek probably a little more often about what makes them pretty unique and special. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things going on there. One is, listen, they... they are recruiting the best of the best. Yep. Let's not uh, kid ourselves. When Cal came in, everybody was talking about how, look out, they're going to lock down Pennsylvania. That isn't what happened. Uh, there are still a number of high-level elite Pennsylvania kids going elsewhere. Look at the Iowa roster. Uh, <laughs> but what what really happened is Penn State's still getting its share of, of Pennsylvania kids, uh, obviously. But what really happened is Penn State now is going and, and picking a Bo Nickel from Texas and a Mark Hall from Minnesota and, you know, the Nevels brothers from California. And, you know, Penn State always tried to have a national recruiting base. But now, I mean, it is truly where are the very best wrestlers at each weight class, wherever they are, we'll go find them and, and be able to bring them in. And it's the best wrestlers, but the ones that fit Kale's culture too. Well, and that, cause that's unique. What they have here is a little bit different than what Iowa has or what Michigan has or what Ohio state has. Every coach has their own little fingerprint or their own culture that they want. And it is huge, Brian, in that they, one of the things that, that they really look for on the recruiting trail is guys that are team first guys. And listen, this is an individual sport. There, there's no question at the end of the day, it is just you and your opponent out there and all of the coaching and all of the training. It, it is just you. Uh, none of the, the coaches, none of the uh, 
weight sets or whatever else you're using to help train are out there on the mat with you. It is just the, the one-on-one battle. But um, what Kale has really uh, emphasized, and I think that the kids, and it's not just the kids, it's the families that, that buy into it. When they're on the recruiting trail, and I don't think I'm giving away uh, too much of a, of a secret here, but they they really do look at the kid and, all right, after his match, is he going back and cooling down and, and relaxing and focused on himself, or is he right back in the seat cheering on his teammates and, you know, engaged in, in what is happening? Uh, and to that end, what are the parents doing? After their kid wrestles, are they out of the gym and, okay, we're, we're done for the night, or are they in there uh, hanging out? I think one of the, the coolest things uh, still is when you go back to the, the first time Penn State had the five uh, national champions, when you go back and look, as, as I was able to do afterward and watch the ESPN coverage of that, you see not only the other wrestlers, and the other wrestlers are certainly, and that is a big part of it, into it. I mean, when Vincenzo Joseph uh, gets the, the pin on Isaiah Martinez, I mean, the, and the entire team is going berserk. But if you look into the stands on a couple of the shots, it, Bo Nichols' parents are rejoicing for Vincenzo Joseph in exactly the same way they did when Bo Nickel won. I mean, it, they so that you have that complete buy-in from, again, the kids and the parents, and it really is putting the team first. Now, you know, obviously part of putting the team first is you're going out and being the very best you can be. But I think that's the other part of it, Brian, is, is and I know – People get uh, I, nationally. I think it's almost a, a running joke now that uh, oh yeah, the, the Penn State kids are, are just uh, out there having fun. Uh, easy to say when you're winning, but it really is for these kids about um, the opportunity to get better and challenge yourself. And and uh, you see it in that room uh, where you know you're getting. Uh, well, now Olympic gold medalists uh, and uh, national champions rolling around with the, the new guys, and the new guys are learning from it, but they're eager to get that opportunity. Hey, <laughs> I got a takedown today on David Taylor. Hey, I got a takedown on Kale Sanderson. That's a huge deal. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but uh, that is – so you get those targets uh, in practice, and I think it, it you know gives you something – very high level to try to achieve and then you take that achievement with you as a huge confidence boost when you get into competition and i know i've had this conversation with kale in the past it's how do you maximize the talent at the right time of the year and he said well there's a a secret sauce to that we're not going to spill all the beans on the secret sauce but it seems like they really have a formula for finding a way to get the guys look they want to be successful every time on on the mat, but the formula is built where they're at their best and peaking at the most important time as well, and they find a way to maximize that talent in that important moment, whether it is an NCAA semifinal or a national championship type match, and that's an interesting dynamic. You may have already answered that question, but how do they do it to maximize at the certain time? Does that go right into what you're talking about there? Yeah, no, I think that's, I I think you're exactly right, and I think, uh, what we talked about is is part of it, but also the, the consistency that and Cal again talks about it all the time. And you look at a at a Zane Rutherford or uh, you know a Jason Nolf and and the way those guys just bring 
everything they have to, to practice every day. Nick Lee is, is you know, the, the latest example of a guy who just, you know exactly what you're going to get each day in terms of attitude, effort, uh, and, and really performance, whether they're feeling bad, whether there's other problems uh, going on in their life, and you know everybody's having uh, issues at, at one point or another, they're able to, hey, I'm in practice now, I'm in that mindset where I just want to get, uh, get better. So it's consistency throughout the year where you know it's not a, as you get closer to the NCAA tournament it's not hey guys now we've got to really focus in and this is man you've got to work on that no it's every day from the day after the national tournament this year it is the same approach and so there's not that uh heightened anxiety that hey now we've got to work it it is man every day we're gonna work our tail off try to get a little bit better and then there is a really comprehensive uh approach i i think these guys have the uh psychological aspect figured out as well as any coaching staff uh, ever has. And listen, there are a lot of staffs trying to, to figure that out, but I think they they really get a handle on, all right, what is it that pushes this kid's buttons? Do we need to just, uh, you know, let him be a couple of days before? Do we need to be, you know, patting him on the back? Do we need to be, uh, you know, in his face? And different guys respond to different things uh, and want different things uh, ahead of, you know, the big uh, performances, the big tournaments. And I think this uh, staff... Again, very consistent, but also very aware of, of what the needs of each individual kid are. And then, yeah, the, the training uh, component and the comprehensive aspect where they're looking at the sleep cycle of these guys. Uh, they are, uh, you know, really tuned in on their nutrition. What What is it that is going to get your body uh, to perform at a maximum level uh, when it comes to all of this stuff? And so, you know, getting the eight hours sleep or nine hours sleep, getting the bananas in the morning and the chicken in the afternoon, whatever it might be. I mean, it is, they really have it uh, zeroed in. And then, you know, as Cal says, then it's up to the, the kids. We're, we have all of the tools here, all of the resources. These coaches are uh, truly willing to, to be there 24-7. If, you know, somebody calls a coach at midnight and says, man, I really, <laughs> I feel like I need to work this out. Uh, I'm telling you, this staff would get over there and, all right, let's figure this out. Uh, and and the kids, I think, know and respect and appreciate, uh, and it's not just the coaches, it's the support staff that, that's in place too. If, uh, you know, Bonnie Epstein, who, who does, uh, you know, some of the counseling for the, for the team and can really uh, help them with the, the, the mindset. You know, Dan Monthly is in there uh, seemingly 24-7 working and, and doing his magic uh, in terms of getting these guys to recover and figuring out what is really at the root of, uh, of maybe something that's nagging at them. And, and it's across the board that these guys, you know, have uh, a lot of people that are willing to put in a lot of time to help them in any way they can. And they've been able, the staff has been able to adjust and adapt because the college sports landscape in 2011 when they won the first one is way different then 2022, where you get a guy like a Max Dean to come in and win a national championship yep. at 197. I know Drew Hildebrandt probably didn't finish the way he wanted to this season, but he was a valuable addition to the For team sure. at 125. There is a different formula now, and you have to you have to play the game to win the game yep. because that's the way college sports are. And it seems like this staff has figured out a way to do that, and I'd imagine that's going to continue to alter the landscape 
of college wrestling moving forward. Yeah, and I think that is one of the things the staff, uh, one of the many things the staff is really great at, but is keeping on that that cutting edge. And and again, let's figure out what what we are seeing in the landscape and and what our best move is to to, to again stay ahead of it and uh, you know keep our best guys here. And yeah, if there is another uh, great wrestler out there that wants to transfer and would be a great fit here, let's do everything we can to make that happen. And now someone's listening to this and saying, well, of course it's Penn State. They just won nine of the last eleven national championships. Who wouldn't want to go there? Like they can pick whoever they want, but it's not necessarily that easy all the time. No, and and there's a lot of things that that play into it and. And to go back to what I was talking about with, you know, that team first mentality, listen, part of that is, uh, and circumstances will dictate this, but they've had, I'm not going to get into names, but they've had wrestlers who clearly uh, are wrestlers who uh, would have full rides anywhere they wanted, including Penn State, but the families, uh, you know, talked with the coaching staff and said, listen, you know, we want to be part of the best team. Uh, We want some help here, but listen, we can afford and I'm making up the numbers here, but, you know, 20%, if you can give us an yep. 80% scholarship. And so you have guys who, who are being offered, again, full rides at, at places like Oklahoma State and Iowa saying, listen, to be part of, of something special here, yeah, I, I can take a, a little less. And, and there's a lot of that, uh, you know, throughout the, the program. And listen, there if there's a kid uh, with a great need, you know, the other end of that is, you know, hey, yeah, maybe a guy who's just a great workout partner we're not expecting him to be a starter at some point. Maybe we can throw some uh, money here because, uh, again, a, a family that uh, you know has a little more money available isn't asking for the the full ride when their kid uh, clearly deserves it. And but listen, there are other kids who, yeah, listen, I'm being offered a, a full ride from University X, and you're offering me seventy percent. And yeah, it'd be cool to to come to Penn State, but. You know, I'm, I have to <laughs> take advantage of uh, what I can do. And, and there's a lot of, you know, that that scholarship issue is, is an important one across uh, college wrestling. It's something that, you know, I think Cal continues to advocate, uh, you know, that the NCAA should expand uh, the scholarship opportunities there for college wrestling. And I think... You know the the way the sport is growing right now, uh, and part of it is going to be get getting girls and women's wrestling yep. uh, higher profile here uh, on on the national front, and there's a lot of efforts and uh, work uh, toward that end uh, to make that happen. But I think when you look at the the ratings here and the expanded coverage with ESPN, and each year we're getting more and more dual meets uh, covered. I, I think there is an opportunity here uh, to uh, go to bat uh, with the NCAA and say, listen, you know, we're not asking for 25 scholarships or something like that, but how about, you know, we get a couple uh, over the, the 10 that are absolutely necessary uh, to having your starting lineup and at least get to, you know, a 12 or a 13 uh, type of number where you have a little more flexibility to, to help some kids out uh, that may really need it along the way. Because you mentioned the growth of the sport. I was going to save this maybe for another time, but you mentioned it with the popularity, women's wrestling, girls wrestling, not only at the collegiate level, but in the state with high school wrestling, plus the regional training centers that have popped up. This is a part of the USA wrestling formula, so the Team USA can compete on an international stage. Where 
does the sport continue to grow, and what's Penn State's role in that because of the success of the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club? Yeah, I, I think it's it's big uh, in terms of Penn State's role. And the thing I like about Cal's approach, and I think it's the, the, the right way to go, and I think more and more uh, people are seeing that within the sport, for too long, I think there were too many people saying, listen, we, we have to get to, to the point where we compete with basketball or we compete with. No, just carve out, uh, you know, your niche, which wrestling has done, and then continue to try to grow that, uh, you know, each year incrementally. You don't need to do it exponentially. Uh, and listen, because of the way the sports world has evolved, Right. None of the sports, football included, are going to expand the way that they once did. There's just too many other uh, opportunities now that are out there. And, uh, you know, I think in a good way, there's a lot of competition for uh, that entertainment uh, value. So I think what wrestling has done is, again, carved out a, a very nice niche that does continue to grow. I think you've you know, the way you continue to grow it is to, to emphasize scoring. And I think that is, you know, one of the many ways the Penn State has really helped the sport is it is an aggressive uh, mindset that Cal instills. And that's not to say every wrestler is going out there and trying to score uh, 20 takedowns each match. But, you know, what brings the fans out is, is a David Taylor or a Jason Nall for now, a Roman Bravo Young just – pouring on the offense and, and uh, you know, hitting spectacular moves. Bo Nickel, uh, I mean, you didn't want to miss a Bo Nickel match because you didn't know yep. uh, what he was going to hit, uh, how he was going to hit it, where he was going to hit it from. And I think uh, the more uh, wrestlers like that, and, and you, the more you have guys just going out after it. I, that was the one thing at uh, the NCAAs this year that really stood out to me. And I know we had – uh, because of the COVID extra years, more top-end wrestlers around this year. But I thought there was, Penn State aside, I thought there were more matches that were just highly entertaining. 13-9 matches I think that's why you in saw the quarterfinals so or semifinals. Yeah, and it was and it was fun. I mean, it yeah. was fun to watch as a, as a fan of the sport. And I think that's uh, something that, you know, just needs to continue to grow. And, and needs to be emphasized with the rules and and all of that that uh you know listen winning 2-1 is fine but what is going to bring fans in is is those 10-7 matches where it's back and forth and you have a wild throw and then somebody trying to uh you know counter uh, throw to to get back into a match and, and that type of thing and i think you're seeing more of that uh it, at least it seemed like that to me at this year's tournament than than we've ever seen before well, guy Gadowski said it all the time when they brought the hockey program here and you're trying to build a fan base and get players who want to come play for your team how many players want to come and play in two one games where you only get 15 goals on a season as an individual no you want to come to a place where you're going to shoot the puck on goal 40 times and you're going to score five or six goals a night and you try to do something that can attract fans and that was you know it's a completely different example but that's yeah. why they did it that way when building the hockey program here and you know the other example and i know you touched on this a little bit ironhead already is i remember when women's volleyball at penn state went on that Great run, winning all the matches, all the national championships in a row. Russ Rose said the most difficult thing was when you had a, a Blair Brown coming back and going for another title or a Megan Hodge or Alicia Glass was to prevent complacency. Yep. How does this program not have any complacency? Because as you said, it's tougher 
to repeat. And I think these guys take more pride, actually, in their ability to be a repeat champion when you automatically have that target on your back that you talked about before. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think that, I think, again, a couple of things are are in play. One is these guys, to a very large degree, have aspirations above and beyond college wrestling, right? So they're, they're looking at the international stage and an opportunity to compete uh, for world titles and Olympic championships down the road. And so it is not as though the NCAA title is the end-all be-all for most of these guys. It, it's, it's not, it, it is a step and it's an important uh, part of what they want on their resume at the end of the day, but it is not the end-all be-all uh, because th- they know that there are bigger opportunities out there. Uh, so I think that is part of it. I think another part of it is, again, it, it, it sounds cliched, and I think people kind of roll their eyes if, if you're not around it, that, uh, no, they just want to be the best they can be. I'm telling you that I, I watch it, and, and an Aaron Brooks is a great example of it. Aaron is... Listen, he wants to win national titles. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it, the you know, as long as he's uh, just doing the best he can, uh, that's good enough. And if that's eighth place, uh, <laughs> but but there is something about the way these guys approach again each day in practice. And listen, it helps when in that room, right? Uh, you you have guys that are are former national champions and coaches who are uh, have the credentials and the understanding of the sport that that these guys do, but there really is that opportunity each day to challenge yourself and to get just a little bit better at, you know, maybe it's just one element that, uh, hey, today I'm really going to work on bottom. Uh, I'm going to figure out a way uh, when nobody else can to, to get out from the ride of uh, Carter Storacci. And Carter, come ride you know, try to keep me down. And if it takes an hour, <laughs> so be it. I'm going to figure uh, a way out. And it's just a little, again, step uh, on the way to progress. And I think these guys uh, really don't get too caught up in the results. And Nick Lee, you know, I talked to him a little bit after the, the Nationals this year. And, you know, he's obviously very happy about winning the National Championship. But I think he's more, uh, genuinely more happy that, he feels like he gave everything he had uh, throughout his career and did everything he could. And, and he's, you know, he said, and I believe him, that if, if he had not won the national title, it wouldn't have been like this empty, hollow feeling because he knows that he was true to himself, did everything he could every day uh, to get a little bit better. And, you know, you, you hope for the results that, that you want. But I think if, if that is your mindset that, hey, I just want to be the absolute best I can be, and let the results uh, fall where they may, it does take some of the pressure, uh, for one thing, off of you. And the other is you really can go out and have fun. Hey, I'm going to try this move that I've been working on, and if it doesn't work, okay, I lose a wrestling match. There's a much bigger picture here in play. And, you know, another component that we haven't touched on, and I, I probably should mention, is, is I, I see do if you're think- going to say the same thing I'm going to. You know, the room has something to do with it, too, because – a guy like Max Dean has an All-American that he's competing with, pushing him for that every spot day. every day. Yes. Uh, but there is also uh, a spiritual element here, and, and most of these guys on this Penn State roster are um, are very religious, and it's, I mean, different religions, but uh, they 
and there is a real uh, belief that Again, as long as I am, uh, and I'm speaking as a wrestler, as long as I am being true to myself and I am giving everything I have, you know, God will take care of it. If I'm not supposed to win a national title, it's not the end of the world. I have a whole life ahead of me. And, and you know, again, Aaron Brooks is just a, a wonderful example of that. And Max Dean is, is another great example of, of somebody that, uh, again, make no mistake, they are big-time competitors and they want to win and they're trying to figure out every day, again, what is the, the another little thing I can add to my game to become a little bit better, a little more dominant, uh, and, and they want to win. But at the end of the day, it is not how they define themselves. Aaron Brooks, I guarantee you, and you know, just like their head coach, Kale Sanderson, it doesn't go around. Hi, I'm Kale Sanderson, four-time national champion, undefeated gold uh, medals. No, I'm Kale. N- nice to meet you. And you know, what can we do to to help you? And and there is a humility that comes with. Um, you know that belief in God and belief that uh, you know things happen for a reason. And again, I'm probably uh, overusing Aaron Brooks, but I just I, I love the kid to death because of the way uh, he approaches everything. And after the loss to uh, to Miles Mean, I just happened to be in the van uh, with him on the way back, and he's talking to uh, I'm not even, it was a family member, but he he said, you know, yeah, you know, I wish. Uh, I, could have had that that one back I, I don't know you know exactly what I was thinking there in, in overtime but listen you know it's part of God's plan and uh you know I'm going to go back to to work and I think it's it's going to work out okay and it certainly did but I do think when you going back to the pressure component all sports but it, wrestling in, in particular I just think there is so much pressure that can be put on you from coaches from fans from parents from siblings and all of that and if you are able to and i think to a very large degree most of the the kids in this penn state program under kale they they don't feel that weight because they they feel like again this is just an opportunity and it is a wonderful opportunity and i'm going to do everything i can to seize it and then Tomorrow, uh, whether I win or lose the national title, tomorrow I've got schoolwork to do, I've got uh, family obligations to take care of, and I've got to try to get a little bit better at, uh, at wrestling. And all of these guys, when you talk to them, again, wrestling is a big part of their life. They're committed to it, but they're devoted to uh, you know family, God, and, and things uh, above and beyond wrestling. And I do think that is an important component to, to the overall uh, – picture here at with Penn State wrestling in terms of the way these guys are able to perform it they, they don't go out there thinking I have to win or you know my career my life isn't uh going to be fulfilled it, it's just not the mindset that these guys approach it with Jeff and we could go on and on for a couple of hours here and so appreciative of your insight into the program you're around the guys so often whether it's at practice traveling with them as you said in the vans on the road or covering them at matches you get to see behind the curtain and the question I always get and I think this is probably a good one to, to wrap it up on everyone wants to know well when does it end? At some point, right, you can't just keep dominating the sport at this level. And I'm not saying that all of a sudden Penn State is no longer a, nas- a perennial national championship contender, but to win five national championships in a season, to win four national championships in a season, and just have, and look, I know that there wasn't 
a championship competed in 2020, and Iowa went into that as the favorite. But to really have, over the last decade, a stranglehold on the sport like they do, does it change? What happens next? What is what is the future here over the next few years? Yeah, and I, I'm a walking contradiction on this because yeah. there, there's two things. And I'm sure you get uh, this question all the time. Well, yeah, and there's two things I, I say to it, and, and one is you shouldn't expect this every year, yep. right? Like it, it, it is insane to expect this. Uh, every year, and again, there are a lot of really great coaches, a lot of great wrestlers, a lot of great programs out there, and yeah, you know, and even 2021, it wasn't, you know, Penn State, when your so-called down year here is four national titles and a second-place finish at the national tournament, it tells you a little something about where your program is and where the expectations are. So, Yes, I don't. I, I don't think this is uh, realistic to expect these types of performances uh, consistently year after year. Especially in a sport, this is what's amazing to me. Look at all the matches that you see in a national tournament or a Big Tens. How many matches are decided by one, two, yeah, three points? How do you come out at some point? Hey, a guy got in and he got a takedown. It, that it is really exactly feels right. like a coin flip, but it's not with them. They win 90% of those matches. And that is, again, it's it's amazing. And I think there's, again, a variety of things to contribute to yep. it. I think we've touched on, on a lot of them here, but it's not it's not just one thing that, oh, Penn State knows how to do this. Again, it's an overall approach. It's a, a daily uh, routine. And then and yeah, maybe a little bit of luck, too. Well, it's, there's no question. I mean, I you know, and I think, uh, you know, Joe Paterno used to talk about uh, you don't get a national championship season without having some luck and and you don't win an individual national title without some luck and that doesn't mean that you're not uh, you know I think people sometimes misinterpret that as a oh you have to to be lucky to to win a national title I I thought it was all skill and listen you have to you have to have the work ethic the mindset all of that but yeah you have to avoid injury or be able to battle have an injury that you can battle through uh, again you have to be able to to find a way to win a tough matchup uh, you have to be able to find a way to win on a day where you you don't feel uh, well uh, for whatever reason uh, all Maybe of those a guy things. that you match up poorly against yeah. is on the other side of the bracket and he gets knocked all out. of those things uh, obviously contribute to it and so yeah I think it's uh, unfair unrealistic to expect this to continue uh, and then I'm going to turn around and tell you that <laughs> next year, <laughs> if Roman Bravo Young comes back, and I don't know, you know, with any certainty one way or the other, but obviously uh, would love to, to see him come back uh, and, and try to win another national title. But if, if he comes back, right, Penn State at five weight classes, because uh, Greg Kirkfleet will be favored to be at least in the finals next year, at five weight classes – they're going to have guys ranked one or two, I, I think, to start the season. And I think the expectation from those individuals and from within the program and probably from without uh, as well is, yep, we're going to have five, at least five, <laughs> CAA finalists again next season. And again, do I think that's uh, fair in terms of expectations or, uh, you know, that, hey, this is just the way it is? No, but... Am I going to sit here and tell you that I don't think Roman Bravo Young or Carter Storacci or Aaron Brooks or 
uh, Max Dean or Greg Kirkfleet. I, do I think uh, I think all five of those guys are going to be there next year? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and you look at the guys that are coming in. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Bo Bartlett uh, does uh, next year. I'm I'm expecting that he'll uh, go down at 141. But you know, they have some guys in Shane Van Ness and uh, Alex Facundo who I think are going to be uh, crowd pleasers as well with the the uh, style of wrestling and and with the uh, level of talent that they bring, and you look what's in the pipeline uh, for the next uh, couple of years down the road. Uh, and again, I yes, it is going to end. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world when it ends. Uh, but if you're uh, asking me right now, do I think it's ending anytime soon? I, I do not because I think this team is, and this program is just rolling right now. Ironhead, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Uh, as always, I appreciate it as well. All right, let's just read through some of these numbers here before we go. The most individual NCAA titles since 2011, Penn State 32, Cornell 11, Oklahoma State 10, Ohio State 9, Iowa 7, 45 national finalists since 2011, 32 and 13 in the NCAA finals since 2011, 45 and 6, as we said, in the semifinals, Nine team championships in the last 11 seasons in which the team title was competed for. Kale now has won nine NCAA titles as coach, third most in NCAA history, and Penn State one of only two teams in NCAA history to have five individual champions in a year twice. Can I just throw two other things in there, uh, Brian, real quick? The, the So Penn State is undefeated in six of the last seven seasons. In the program's history, there have been eight undefeated seasons where there were double-digit victories. So if you go back, there was like some 3-0 and teams and 4-0 and teams, but where there was at least uh, 10 duels wrestled in a season. Eight times in the program's history has there been an undefeated, untied season. A six proud of those, program. <laughs> six of those uh, coming under Cal. And... You mentioned the the 13 losses in the NCAA finals. One of the most amazing things, and again, everything you just reeled off is truly amazing. There have only been two individuals who have wrestled for a national title at some point, have been in the NCAA finals, who never won a national title. So again, of those 13 losses, 11 of the losses uh, came from wrestlers who at some point in their Penn State career won a national title. Wow. The only two who ever advanced to the finals and never won a title under Kale, Dan Valamont, who only wrestled one year under Kale uh, and was the only finalist in his first season in 2010 before Penn State began its uh, national title run uh, in 2011. And then Morgan McIntosh, who, uh, you know, was – a brilliant wrestler uh, and and finished as the runner-up his only uh, year in the NCAA finals at 197. But every other wrestler, which means all all of the other wrestlers obviously at least got to two NCAA finals and won uh, at least one of them. But for... to go to the the success that they're having at that top end again for only two wrestlers to get to the finals and not win a national championship at some point in their career is i mean that just does not happen it, it doesn't happen anywhere ever except it's happening here now that's remarkable this is the let's go state podcast the official podcast of penn state athletics if you like what you heard here today make sure you rate and subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you share this podcast as well with all your friends, family members, and of course, those wrestling fans out there across the country. We'll talk to you next time on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. 
Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.